ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get down for eSports! Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Nerf This, the esports podcast that's got a lot of good content, but the same awkward intro. I'm your host, Brian Huff, and as always, I am joined by the man Seven, which doesn't make this sound like a very new podcast. Everything's the same so far. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I don't know. It wasn't really an awkward intro, so I don't know if it counts as being the same. Listen to the play of the of game at the end of the show. Like that will give you your awkwardness. Oh, yes. There yes. were nipples involved. The, it was weird. The outtake. Oh, you've already decided that the outtake <laughs> is me bearing all. Good. Good I mean, show. The, we're trying to get ratings to here, show. and sometimes you just have to like throw out the weird stuff. It's, we're wearing kilts, too. People can't tell. No. But, uh, Tune into Twitch yeah. later. Someday. We'll have like an upskirt cam for you. It'll be... <laughs> this is like an Outlander podcast. It is. Anyways. It is. I have a giant yeah. sword. You just wish you could see it. Oh, weird innuendo. All right, we've got an awesome show ahead of seven. It looks at me very funny. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of E-League. So I got a chance to talk with Say Jam, one of the commentators on the Injustice 2 World Championships about uh, the last chance qualifiers. He's doing a little head bob. We also have got uh, a blast from the past in CSGO, SK Gaming and Virtus Pro in a final. I had no idea yeah. we'd ever see that again. Uh, is a new Hearthstone expansion coming? There's a good chance there might be. And we found somebody who knows a hell of a lot more about League of Legends than we do. Alex Magdaleno from Bleacher Report, one of our old colleagues, uh, is going to be joining us at the end of the show to talk a little bit about the World Semifinals as well as his predictions for a another All-Korean Finals. Shocker. Who saw that <laughs> Flashback coming? Flashback City. Yeah. Yes. But we're going to start with some Overwatch. But before we do... We have an important change to the show, the most important change to the show, and that's your chance to drink along with us, which I'm like super stoked about. Yes, I totally waited to open this until we were on the air because it's like, uh, but a can? What, what do you? What? It's Portland. Is that, it's tab. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> it's not actually beer. That's the joke. So this is your opportunity if you need alcohol like we do to get through this show. And I imagine if you're listening to us, you probably do to drink along with us. So uh, what are you drinking tonight? It's actually uh, a beer that I made. I brewed myself. So uh, like two weeks ago, maybe three three weekends ago, I went and brewed a uh, huge, huge batch. It was like 130-something bottles of beer. <laughs> Uh, I'm loaded with IPAs for for a while now. So the next five shows, just we can just cut and paste this this part of the show. Um, but no, I, I'm drinking. It's a, an IPA. Imagine that. No. Uh, it's kind of a, a pseudo Sue from uh, Toppling Goliath. It's like a a clone essentially. It's like a little bit of a, a knockoff. And there's Citra Hop for days. It's delicious. Bam. I can wait to like a bunch of people, and they're like, I want more, and they keep coming back for seconds. So I I'm down to like. 
I don't know, 80 beers now, maybe. I feel like this is unfair because if our listeners want to drink along, they literally have to come to your house in Seattle and be like, beer me. Yeah, why not? I mean. All right. I will give out your no, address don't do later. That. Don't, do, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't dox me for beer. Yes, that would be actually kind of awesome. I wonder if I could be banned for doxing you for beer. I'll have to look into that in legal. I am actually going a very Portland route. I am drinking Revnat Sacrilege Sour Cherry Cider. So if you happen to be gluten-free, which actually I'm surprised because Mr. Gluten-Free is drinking a beer. I am not gluten-free, and I'm going gluten-free. <laughs> uh, brewed right here in Portland. I'm a huge fan of ciders in general. This is mostly Seven's fault because we always drink gluten-free when he's around. Uh, 6% ABV. This thing has won a ton of awards. So if you want to know that like my super thorough beer and drink selection process, it's I go to the grocery store like two hours before the show because I've forgotten and then I panic and I sit there with my phone and just search random like best cider in Portland in Google look for like a high star <laughs> rating on on beer rate and then go and grab this so uh, that's what I have done Reverend Rever- good beer <sighs> and this is damn good good cider this yeah. is good cider and you can get yeah, that Rever- apparently it's good. available nationwide probably a little bit easier to get out here on the west coast but yeah if you mm-hmm. want to drink along pick your own beer pick the ones that we went with go to Seven's house um, yeah. <laughs> so, for those of you who didn't come for the beer, you came for the esports, let's get going. Overwatch, our favorite topic. Nothing's really changed, but we're not going to talk about franchising. We're going to talk about branding for a second, because what has been going on over the course of the last, especially very heavily over the course of the past couple of weeks, is these organizations revealing their branding. So we've had Boston, Seoul, New York, and Los Angeles specifically releasing their branding over the course of the last two weeks, and man... They needed more time. This is... Uh, some of them are a little... Feel a little, yeah, sadly baked or half-baked. I, I mean, I think, in all honesty, like, Seoul Dynasty probably has the best. Uh, uh, right up through Shanghai Dragons. Okay. Shanghai Dragons yeah, also have a good one. Yeah, but Shanghai Dragons feels, like, super cliche. Um, if it but works. Boston Uprising actually is a... I, I, I kind of like the name. I hate the logo. I, I called it Boston Beveling for like the longest time <laughs> because it's like, holy crap. I might have done that in the 90s, right? But It looks like a bank logo. It kind of does. Like hometown credit union. And, and then uh, today it was announced uh, New York Excelsior, uh, <sighs> which I, 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 think I, I think I joked about it in... In our Discord chat, I was like, brought to you by Mixer, because it looks like the Mixer logo just repeated multiple times. Hey, I mean, we're going to knock the logos. Uh, I'm excited that we're here at this point, right? Because um, six months ago, we were like, it's never never going to arrive, and now we're getting it. We're complaining about it. I know. This is one of those, like, ask and you shall receive, and now we're really angry about that. Not really angry. I am I, excited. I think it's it's cool that every about every day or every other day, we're getting uh, a team announcement uh, i like the fact that they put the color swatches underneath that and they explain my favorite part of every article is like them explaining like why they made the logo or something the way they did and can and we like, talk about new york on that point for a second so if you are a designer and you're a logo designer and you already pick up like a how to design logos book like the very first thing it says is like have a clear meaning don't try to do too much with your logo and then i read like everything that went into the excelsior branding and i'm like it sounds like a bunch of people just couldn't make up their mind like it means ever upward it's inspired by everyday heroism we also have this nickname that means this other thing and we also have a flag logo that different uh, represents a different cultures people ideas coming together whoa it's esports let's not get a little <laughs> get a little too deep for like neon shit show overwatch just, just saying. Yeah, yeah. Occasionally, when you, they went a little too artsy fartsy with like the logo reveal stuff. 
Uh, it might have been neat to have kind of a, a video explaining it. Maybe I don't know. Uh, you probably don't want your you know graphic designers or your just logo designers, or whatever, like talking on there. Like, well, it'd I be like a like Jeff 20. Kaplan video. Yeah, it could be <laughs> right. Um, I just Excelsior just feels like the oh the worst name possible for a team. I'm I, Stan I feel sorry for New York from the New York Excelsior team, and I am here to talk about our logo. We know that you will like it. That <laughs> was the worst Jeff Kaplan are. impression, impression it, ever. It, is, it feels like, who was it? Was it is it Stan Lee? I was going to say, this should have just been like a picture of Stan Lee with like a comic book yeah. bubble that just said Excelsior. That's why I'm just like, why are we doing this one? I don't, I, that's, yeah. And doesn't NYXL sound like a 90s hip-hop brand? It's like FUBU, Tommy Hilfiger, NYXL. Kind of, yeah. Like that should be on like the waistband of my boxers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess so. I don't know why we're going there, but sure, Brian, we're going everywhere. Uh, nothing is nothing is out of bounds. Uh, we should also talk about the LA Valiance logo really quick because I have very opposing views here. One, I give them props. It's a callback to the Immortals logo, which I like that they tried that, but. Could there be a worse combinations of colors than pea green and pea yellow and pea used in different ways of those two colors? Yeah, I, I actually think about the old school, uh, the Sonics out of Seattle. Like yes. That's kind of how it feels. Uh, and it's just been adopted for this Overwatch team. So um, I'm glad, I'm so glad that LA got that. Uh, and it didn't like Seattle wasn't announced as like a team and gets that color of like, oh no, we don't want it. We just don't want it. Or or the still unannounced Cloud Nine London team adopts these colors and you're forced to wear them everywhere you go. Oh, I don't know if I'm I can I don't think I can vote for or root for Cloud Nine in London. There's something about that. Are I you holding actually, out for a Seattle no, franchise? Before you like I, dive I, in? I I am. I, I think I I I was going to ask you if you you feel attached to any team. I feel like the closest maybe I could get to is uh, is is Dallas because uh, of the players that ended up there, right? Yes, it, not because of uh, the the branding, the color, or the fact that it's it's a flag that means union, and I don't know whatever it is, <laughs> whatever designer speak you want to add into it. <laughs> and no, I, I feel like that because of the players. And that's why I want to be with them. I, I, I kind of want to follow them. Um, I like Seagull. I think he's a he'd, he'd like great to be personality. Them. Even though he's riding the bench, I still feel like it's it's a group that existed largely before and now will continue. If you and, were to ask the like casual Overwatch League fan, like to name like players that they are like just aware of from like name recognition, Harry Hook, Tamu, Seagull, Effect, like these are names that people mm-hmm. know just from NA Overwatch, and they do all happen to be on the Dallas Fuel, and that's. That's a pretty big deal. Like now, I'm not saying that means they're going to win because I have a feeling like Cloud Nine, for example, that has literally just purchased every single South Korean Overwatch player and put them on one team. They're like, ah, right, right. our B team riding the bench and the C team sitting at home will still whoop all of your asses. But at least you'll know who you're cheering for when you're getting your ass handed to you by the yet to be named Cloud Nine team. Yeah, I mean, well, it, they, you you might get your ass handed to you by them if any of those players decide to actually still stay on because that's one of the reasons why they picked up the second round of of 
Korean team. It was the second place Apex team? Uh, no, Season 4 champs, GC Busan, they have now merged oh, yeah. with Kongdu Panthera, um, as well as a couple free agents that they picked up. There's uh, Fury from Team Liquid and uh, Nuss from Metathena. So they've got, like, it's a large amount of people. It does kind of scream. I mean, there was a lot of talk about Dallas Fuel running this nine-man roster and having, like, a, fairy, a fairly full bench. But if you look at the number of players side in the Cloud 9 right now, the question is, is are all these players going to be sticking around by the time Overwatch League season, you know, comes into full effect or are we going to see these in the preseason and they trim this roster down it's a lot of people if the rumors are true and the average salary is in that like 150k range like that's a pretty expensive roster to just have yeah. sitting on the sidelines but they did have two players refuse to sign with them and then went back to korea so that's why they had to pick up the second team well they didn't have to pick up the second team they could have picked up two extras right but they picked up another team so they essentially have a full rostered team and then they have Four, five, I think, four or five, or four, extras. and then they picked up two more. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah, they're they're sitting at uh, they're they're full up now, but it's not exactly those two teams. Yeah, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, other interesting roster news that we've kind of steered to the roster topic. Um, Optic, Optic Gaming, we, we don't know what their exciting franchise is going to be called yet. Um, FRN GFE from Contenders, everybody minus Buds has been signed to that team, so that'll be an interesting move. I feel like. I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's hard to rate the contenders teams versus like some of these organizations that are either playing in Apex or we haven't right. seen in a while like the mismatch of player or mismatch of players, I should say, that is on the Dallas Fuel. So we'll see how that plays out. But interesting news there. Uh, we also had Nevix, formerly from Cloud9 and Misfits, has joined the San Francisco Shock, uh, which, by the way, also probably like bringing up the rear as far as logo and branding goes as well, because I don't know how you put that giant, long, horizontal wave form that their logo is on like anything. <laughs> Yeah, I the shock. I think for, I, I thought about shock being like the team until Seattle gets something for me at least. Yeah, but you gotta um, wear that logo. It's like Winamp. I, I yeah, I just can't get behind it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be sadly. I think it's going to be the fuel. I think just because of players. And I know the first year where all everybody is essentially in L.A., so it's not. It doesn't really matter where they are. Um, but but if you believe know, in this long term, like yeah, yeah. You want an inaugural, uh, inaugural team to kind of root for you and be like, ah, oh, from the beginning, I've always been a Seattle or a Dallas or right. San Francisco, LA. Like, you want to follow them from the, from the beginning and not be like, well, you know, year one, I was uh, a Dallas fan and then I switched over to Seattle. <laughs> like, yes. I don't know. Maybe well, I guess you have to. The hard part really? is, and we don't know this yet, I don't know if we have a ton of information about like how these contracts are going to work season to season, but if we end up with like even something close to what we see in like, Dota or CSGO, and I don't think it'll be to that extreme, but then also the question will be like, if Seagull's running the bench at Dallas and he's one of the key reasons you're a Dallas fan and he gets up and moves, we get that like traditional sports question, right? Like, am I a fan of the Dallas Fuel or am I a fan of Seagull and I'm going to go yeah. everywhere he goes? You get that a lot in uh, in soccer. You know, you have a favorite player maybe and they, they totally switch and you're like, well, now I kind of want to watch their games and root for them. Yep. Uh, Until they get old and go all- to MLS. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you're just like, well, the retirement league is fun, but uh. yeah, exactly. So it's gonna be interesting. And speaking of watching Overwatch, we should talk about like Jeff Kaplan's latest video. Made a little fun of him, but we've got some awesome spectator changes. And I'd heard some rumors of this kind of swirling. And Blizzard had talked for a while about like, you know, we need to step up our game if this is going to be broadcast. You know, 
as an official sport. And so this week we had Jeff Kaplan make a new uh, developer video, which I'm looking forward to if Dino Flaska hasn't already done his uh, magic on it. I hope <laughs> to hear it soon. And the branding does come into a bigger play here. You know, we're not just harping on it because we want to be design critics, but we learned that starting at the Overwatch World Cup, we're going to get this concept of team uniforms and the palettes impacting everything we see on the screen for that team. So we'll have home and away jerseys, and it'll be a little bit different than you're probably used to. We're going to get darker for home jerseys and lighter for away. So depending on what sports you follow, it's a little bit flipped. Uh, they're also mm-hmm. going to palette swap the visual effects of the characters, which I thought was an interesting move. So things like right. explosions and, and bullets like tracers and things of that nature are going to be colored similar to that organization's colors. And of course, the UI and HUD will now incorporate the team colors as well. So you have a better idea of which team you're watching and there's not like the blue team versus the red team that weird swapping that'll happen like in between rounds depending on how they lay it out and you're like oh right, no they're right, the right. blue team who the hell am i paying attention to <laughs> so that's think, pretty awesome in my yeah opinion. i think change. i think the color swapping the red and blue was it, you know it, it doesn't uh it doesn't work for Overwatch or didn't work for Overwatch. So I'm excited to see that that, that change alone uh, is helpful. I know it seems like really stupid, like, oh, I can't figure out who's going what. But when it, it, Overwatch is an ex, like an like a acid flashback. It's an explosion of colors, and you can't always tell what's going on. So having outlines even is, is, is very difficult. But color coding teams, what their actual skins are, is actually is cool. Now, I don't know how it's going to look when it's, it almost reminds me like old school GI Joe, right? Like one one side shoots green, one side shoots red, kind of thing. And <laughs> that, so maybe that does help. Maybe that was like what they did. Like, oh, you know, I was watching some GI Joe the other day, and it seems to work out that way. I, maybe, maybe that's better. That would be I, awesome I, if that was the inspiration. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, does, but does does that to you sound like it might be confusing? If you're someone who plays a lot, you're like, well, that looks weird like a you know diva's explosion or a graviton like being different colors does that throw you off as a player or watching if it's not what you normally play as i don't know it could be it very much could be like now it's like have i over optimized for the casual experience for the people that are not playing overwatch constantly and now maybe i'm making a little bit harder to follow for the hardcore players Potentially, I need to see it in action. I don't know how stark this is going to be. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think what you also run into is when you have a super tight meta, which Overwatch just has by the nature of the number of heroes that are available. It's also like you can't just do it based on team makeup, right? Because oftentimes, like there's multiple characters on each side because they're not doing the draft, right? There's no concept of like banning particular characters or people not being able to play the same makeup in some of these. Yeah. So you could end up with like you know, a Winston versus Winston, who's Winston's what, right? So that might help further differentiate that when you see like, oh, that bubbles up, which team's bubble is that? Those type of right. things. A little bit beyond the red and the blue. So I think it's a good choice. A lot of the tools that they have given for observers obviously will not have any impact directly on like what we see on the screen, but will drastically increase the production values if they work as well as they do. So the first thing they talked about is this top-down interactive map where they will have a 3D map where the observers can see literally everything that is going on. They'll see ultimate status, the condition status, like whether they are slept, whether they're stunned, and they will be able to basically navigate the map and go in and out of shots based on that overview. So they'll always have like a full picture of what's going on, where in the past, what they were essentially doing was just like swapping very quickly through characters or running like a crap ton of screens and like trying to follow all the different feeds that were going on. One interesting note, and I don't want to go deep into this, but uh, Kaplan 
talked about broadcast partners as part of this. Like, just let this little thing slip. Like, this, we think this will be great for our broadcast partners. He could literally just be meaning the streaming partners they work with on things like Premiere and Apex and things of that nature. But I thought that was an interesting note because we still don't really know what the deal is with broadcasting for Overwatch League. No, we we don't. And I was thinking about that last week when he was talking about that. It wasn't the fact that he had keyed off and saying, or I had keyed off on him saying broadcast partners. It was just in general, like, well, there has yet to be a TV deal announced or a yep. streaming app deal or whatever it may be. It, it's not there. And whether or not the we, we've seen a ton of changes to the Battle.net slash Blizzard slash Battle.net app um, in, the, in the last year, uh, most recently, even in the last month or so, it, it's I, I don't know if that's the platform which they think they're going to use. Maybe that could change, but you know, there, there's got to be something with advertisers and TV. They've got to have a TV deal coming out soon. There's got to be something. To, like, it totally can't just be Twitch. Like, this seems, yeah, like I said, I don't want to go way off topic with this, but there is something to be said for the fact that this can't be Twitch. This seems too big to just then announce, oh, we have an exclusive deal with Twitch. Either they're going to do something in Battle.net and we're going to get some like in-app experience similar to what you've kind of seen with the Steam client, or right. they have like a deal deal where we're going to see this on like Spike or ESPN3 or you know something ridiculous like that. They have the, the Ocho. The Ocho, which would be honestly like, I know, make fun of it all you want, but like that's a pretty big deal because up to this point, no ongoing league has that level. And until I see something from the MLB BAM deal, like, it would be like the most concrete broadcasting deal as far as like what we see, you know, game to screen that we've had up to this point. Right now, that's just in the ether until we see what that experience is actually going to look like on the League of Legends side. So stoked about that. A few other things worth talking about. Third person smart camera. They're trying to smooth out an experience. Like there's a lot of, you know, people who love and hate third person view. They're trying to make the third person view better by having that camera not necessarily be tied to the player's movements. So you're not like bouncing around. It'll focus on the point of action that the game determines is going on. So that will be something that is cool. The kill feed highlights are massively awesome to me. The fact that they're basically what they're going to do is they're going to give the broadcasters access to the kill feed with full camera control, mm-hmm. showing some awesome highlights that they'll fully be able to control as opposed to being at the mercy of what they just happened to capture when the kill happened, which will be yeah. a huge, huge thing as they go to trying to help people understand what's happening in this game. I mean, Kaplan says at the top of the video, it's not the best experience to watch. There's a lot going on. That, to me, single-handedly, will make it easier for people to understand what's happening when people are actually dying. Because if you get a weird angle of it, or it goes by too fast, no one's actually getting to see that happen. And the broadcasters often have to be like, oh, yeah, this thing happened over here that you may not be aware of. And this will hopefully allow them to pull more of that out, do some picture-in-picture type stuff. I'm most stoked for this feature. Yeah, I mean, before to even get those kind of replays, you had to be watching it and essentially recording it, cutting to it. Like, it's just, from a broadcast standpoint, it's not easy. But... In this case, to be able to just click on it and it automatically goes into basically as a player, I'm assuming as a player, you see how like you died, basically. Uh, and so you, you kind of get that instant replay of any moment in the game, which was like huge, really. And it's so easy from a broadcast standpoint. Now, I, I was just thinking about this. You talked about uh, like a Steam client version and we talked about a Blizzard app version. What about something within Overwatch itself where people who were watching it, like you watch the feed, you yourself could click on it and see that 
replay. That would like be I, the Dota experience, right? Where you're literally right. like in the game and moving around to a certain extent, right? Like you're able to go in there, move your camera around, watch things as you'd watch right. because it's like a... And they talked a bit about this and I don't know if they'll be able to do this right now, but Kaplan did talk about the server being more aware of the competitive state and he was right. talking about it from a replay mechanism where they don't have to replay the game over again. They can kind of just do their thing. But that could be the seed that gets us to that Dota-style thing where we could go on the Overwatch client, click you know some eSports tab, and be able to see what is going on in the game, physically move through it, create our own highlights, mm-hmm. things of that nature. And they have some of that technology. They've done a lot of work, just generally speaking, around highlights for the average Overwatch player. There's got to be some more back-end behind that they could leverage for this. Well, I mean, and they also talked about the fact they have the uh, the ability to resume state, which is huge. So if there is a disconnect, they don't have to replay the entire round. It, the server can just basically pop back up and everybody goes back to where they were and continue on. Uh, Team 5, uh, if you were listening, uh, how is it that a, a first-person shooter that came out years after you did uh, seemed to get it? And you can't do it on an actual card game. But that's, I mean, you're <laughs> logging everything, which is why it's laggy as hell on a PC uh, and why it destroys just processors and batteries because you log every single thing. Uh, I don't know why you can't just turn that text file, that log file into an actual state because that's all the card game is. It doesn't matter where I'm pointing, it's all it is. Anyways, that, I, I, and that Hearthstone moment he brought that, to you by beer. As soon as he said that, I was like, Oh, how is it that you already? I'm like, oh yeah, people are paying twenty million dollars just to do this on on a TV that hasn't been announced uh, deal. But yeah, that's sorry, seven. I, I just want it for Hearthstone. I'm sorry, just want it. Not going to happen. Anyways, so I'd implore folks to check out the Overwatch World Cup taking the place this weekend at BlizzCon, if for no other reason than to see the impact. A lot of these features are going to be debuting yeah. at BlizzCon this yep. year for the Overwatch World Cup. You'll get your preview to a certain extent, of what the experience of watching Overwatch League is going to be like, and I think that's cool. And the next question I have is, are we going to get these country skins that they're going to be using as team uniforms available to us? Yeah. (laughs) Is there going to be like a BlizzCon World Cup pack? Yeah. Yeah, we we talked about earlier, and this is probably for just a totally different show, we were complaining about, like, not having a regional team, but it's funny because I think when they originally started talking about Overwatch and the regionality piece, we're like, it's esports. Is there actual actual regionality to it? And now that we've gotten closer, it feels like, well, damn it, I want my team. Where's the <laughs> Seattle team? Right? Like, it, I, so I think there's there is something there um, in terms of regionality. We've it's, come it's around. We is that what you're saying? Time. Like we've come around on this, and now we we like we're we're ready to be regional. I feel like there's something there. Uh, and maybe part of me is like, I don't like having, um, you know, a, a, you know, North American team that is full of, uh, players from another country. Like that gets a little weird. Um, that's right. Texas to the rescue. Once again, (laughs) this is true. Uh, I I don't know. That's something I think we need to kind of watch as, as we move forward is, is regionality actually working for overwatch. And again, I've already talked too much about this. I didn't mean to even talk this much about it. But down the line, this is a topic for the future. I'm planting that seed, Brian, for the future. For the future. For the future. What for you're the saying children. is you only want to talk about the Dallas fuel going forward. 
Yeah, that's it. Okay. Perfect. No, no. <laughs> glad I read perfectly into what you were saying there. So that's a lot of Overwatch stuff to digest, but it seems like BlizzCon, like this may be the point where all this starts to crystallize. We're going to see a good portion of this. There's also an Overwatch League panel that will be taking place at BlizzCon. Definitely check that out if you're there or on the stream. Rumor has it there'll be some good info there. I'm sure we'll probably wrap up the rebrand or the brand launches from the rest of the teams. We have to be seeing rosters at that point. We're very, very close to preseason kicking off in December. They're not going to miss this opportunity with the stage that they have at BlizzCon to be like, and here's all the teams and the players and, you know, maybe some owners in the crowd that kind of thing it's their last real because until we know what about the tv deal is this is really their biggest platform to talk about it and it was just uh mentioned today that their players actually wear numbers really did you hear this no. yeah they're making the players will have will, will have numbers like in a normal like sports, uh what's his name sports. killer killer 69 <laughs> crusher 99 crusher 99 yeah. there we go yeah yeah everyone, they had to do it because everybody wants to be crusher 99 everybody to be like double zero or 99 or 69. That, the, that, those three numbers will be on every team. That is true. Guaranteed. And then somebody, like, you no, know, what they need to do is they need to, like, spell out things in leet speak, like, across the team. So when they sit, like, it says things. That's They, did, they, did, they didn't say how many numbers were on it. So someone could actually just, like, have pie, and, like, wrapping it around them. Uh, that we'll would see. be cool. This is why we're not in charge of this kind of thing. No, it would already be broken. Oh, man. So we're going to head to a break. But before we do so, when we come back, uh, Seven had an interesting interview with uh, Sayjam around Injustice 2. The Injustice 2 World Championships kicked off the, the nitty-gritty of the tournament this past weekend, and you got a chance to uh, test out the caster curse. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, and now that we know the result, because it was record- pre-recorded, uh, it, it, the caster curse was uh, in full effect. I, I have to say, Sayjam was awesome. Uh, his hair was actually on point. It was amazing, even for the fact that they were just going in like minutes before they actually had uh, a walkthrough, a dry run of, of everything. And so, um, yeah. Did great, he have the makeup bib on and everything? No, yeah. no, he didn't. But uh, like I said, that that hair, it was it was amazing. I'm I'm jealous. I was, I just swooned. The first five minutes of it is actually like a ten minute interview, but the first five minutes of it was just me like. You're so beautiful. I was just stunned. Stunned. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we're going to take a moment to pay them bills. When we come back, we'll hear Seven's interview with Sayjam. Hello, everyone. I am here with Sayjam, one of the outstanding commentators for the E-League and Justice 2 World Championship. Uh, Thanks for taking a couple of minutes of your day and to talk about uh, the tournament. Thanks for leading with outstanding and lying to the people at home listening. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's going to be here. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the tournament. Last week we had the last chance qualifiers, and there was no shortage of talent whatsoever. Um, who were your favorites going into the event, and how do you think the winners, uh, Foxy Grandpa and Forever King, stack up against the current field that had already filled out the bracket prior to the weekend? Right. So the LCQs were super brutal, uh, honestly. I think that it was super stacked. Like, it was looking stacked to be like a normal tournament that you tune into, and you're just like, this is crazy. There's so many good players. I was really expecting uh, Foxy Grandpa, who did make it, uh, and Forever King. Both of those two guys were the people who made it out of the LCQ. But I was really expecting Biohazard from Canada mm-hmm. and Illusions, uh, who's from the Pacific Northwest. Those two guys are super talented players. And the crazy thing is they were in the Injustice Pro Series finals. And the Injustice Pro Series is one of the ways you could qualify for E-League. Uh, it was definitely the hardest way. And so they were already, you know, battling in that all year. So those guys I expected to sort of get in 
and do well. Uh, the two people that made it are super talented players, and I think they'll do good in bracket. But uh, yeah, you know, this the E League uh, is a culmination of four different qualifiers, and IPS is certainly the hardest way to get in. Mm-hmm. So those guys have been through all the difficult, you know, sort of brackets and tournaments they'd have to deal with. So I expect them to do well. Although Forever King unfortunately has to play Sonic Fox first, so I think his <laughs> chances are a little bit harder than maybe somebody else. But uh, yeah, Foxy definitely deserved to be in this. Long before even you know the LCQ, he's such a good player. So let's let's talk a little bit about Sonic Fox because uh, recently uh, ESPN just did an article on him. I think it was right. yesterday even uh, about talking about um, his confidence level and how he kind of likes to maybe trash talk a little bit and and kind of get under people or get in people's heads. Do you think that this any of those tactics will help him out in this field? Uh, yeah, because the thing about Sonic Fox is he doesn't actually even have to say anything to you. Just like his <laughs> gameplay sort of speaks for itself. Like he is so dominant for a reason. But the cool thing about him too is that like you'll watch him. Like I'm watching him here. He's playing like casuals with people and stuff, and he's like beating them with their own characters or like just trash talking them during the match. And like he's so so good, and his his mind games are so strong. So I think that you know he is definitely the favorite for the event mm-hmm. uh, even if somehow he got dropped in a loser's bracket or something early i don't expect that to be a big deal like he'll just claw out of it he has a huge field of characters he has beaten everybody you know that he is like sort of matched against in this tournament so even right. if he comes against them it's not like he hasn't played them or beaten them right. before like he is going to be a monster and you mentioned that uh forever king did get pitted against him right right off the ga- right out of the gate now yeah. uh, he, again he's a Great competitor, fourth in the overall world rankings. What, I mean, what do you think it will take to dethrone Sonic Fox in this tournament? Yeah, you sort of just have to catch him on an off day, or you know, because he's juggling so many characters, you might hope that you run into a character matchup that maybe on that day he's not playing as well as he usually could, or something like that. Because uh, you know, beating Sonic Fox is obviously not impossible. I think beating him twice in one event is pretty mountainous <laughs> thing to do. So. You know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, Forever King could definitely catch him off guard. And I don't think it's going to be easy for Sonic Fox, but I expect it to be something like 3-1 or, you know, yeah, I mean, probably 3-1 or something like that, Sonic Fox. He's just such a difficult person to beat. So many characters. Mm-hmm. His knowledge of the game is outstanding. And he's also a player who plays kind of by feel. So, like, you have a guy who knows everything and also plays with his heart. That's a super dangerous combo. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So the, we've got the two different groups, Group A, Group B. Group A goes on this evening as we're recording it on Friday. Generally, when you go into a tournament, you have kind of what you call the, the group of death. Which one do you think is like the most brutal group in terms of like the tight competitions? Probably, they're both so hard, honestly. Yeah, no. It's crazy. I mean, this one has Sonic Fox, who is just the guy to beat, right? Obviously, the, probably the competitor to watch out for the most. But also has Dragon, who is the Evolution Champion, mm-hmm. uh, champion winner. Like, Evo is basically the biggest event you could ask for in fighting games, right? So, you know, you have him in there as well. Honeybee, who got second place at Evo. And then you just have, like, a sprinkling of all these other guys who are super, super good. So, I mean, both of these brackets are super hard. It, it's really difficult to say which one I think is harder. Uh, but I, I would maybe lean on A. We've talked about Sonic Fox maybe being the well being the clear favorite. Who's going to end up in that in that final with him? Yeah, I mean, so the interesting thing is that there, you know, a lot of the guys who are in this bracket have beaten him before. Uh, mm-hmm. Guys like Honeybee, who's in this bracket, had beat him at Evo. Uh, Dragon, who they they you know have had a long rivalry back and forth. Dragon has always kind of you know struggled to beat him, but he is the Evo champion. And then the other two are, who are in Group B is uh, his teammate on Echo Fox, Theo. 
who mm-hmm. took a long break from sort of fighting games during Mortal Kombat X, but is now back in Injustice 2, and he's a super dangerous competitor. He's beaten Sonic Fox in tournament before, and the other one, who I think statistically has the best result against him, is Samij. Uh, Samij is a super strong, mm-hmm. I feel like, he's like, if you have like a list of all the things you could be good at, like he checks every box, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. He's that guy where it's like, yeah, there's not really a, a weakness you can point to, and he's beaten Sonic Fox before in tournaments. So, yeah, Samij, I think, statistically, uh, probably has the best chance of beating him. Awesome. Well, thanks, uh, Sagem, for, for giving me a, a little bit of an uh, overview of what's going on. Again, uh, we're recording this on Friday just prior to Group A going on, going going yeah, at right. it. Right now, that's like Sonic Fox taking out of the tournament. Like everybody's losing it. I'm yeah. just gonna be over like, yeah, man, he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's the dangers of like pre-recording it a little bit. So, uh, if you are looking to catch up with the tournament, uh, Group A coverage begins tonight, Friday, October 27th. That's at 10 uh, p.m. on TBS. You can also catch it on on Twitch as well. Uh, the live TBS coverage will also continue next Friday, November 3rd, at 10 p.m. with Group B, followed by the championship round the following following week, which is November 10th. Uh, and that will also be on TBS. So you can also check out uh, everything going on with uh, the E-League tournament, uh, eleague.com, uh, as well as Twitch and YouTube. So, Sejem, thanks a ton, man, for uh, spending a little bit of time out of your day to to talk Injustice 2, and uh, I'll let you run because you've got to get back on, on set. I yeah, care. we're about to go do rehearsals. <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you guys have enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys around. Awesome. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, the cast are cursed in full effect. So now that you've listened to that, uh, spoilers, we're going to talk a little bit about the results that did come out of this past weekend of Injustice 2 and uh, Sonic Fox, everybody's favorite blue hedgehog or fox or whatever the hell he's supposed to be. Um, Little rough goings of it. Yeah, the the interesting piece here is when I was talking to Sajam, uh, there was something about Forever King from the last uh, chance qualifiers that he was really, 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 really strong. Seemed to be on like a hot streak at the end. And I felt like at first maybe he's being thrown to the wolves, but there's something like like nagging me in the back of my mind. I was like, but if he takes out Sonic Fox in that first round, like he's just going to go. Like there's no stopping him. Right, because you're putting him in the loser's bracket, which just kind of like clears the path for him. Well, yeah, either way, like if, if Forever King beats Sonic Fox, Forever King goes the distance and he'll probably meet back up with Sonic Fox in the end, because like you said, all he's got to do is go through that lower bracket and he's it's it's either he was going to end up there in the end through the lower or the upper bracket, but he was always there in the end. But the crazy part is, is Forever King was always there <laughs> to stop Sonic Fox. It's yep. just amazing. And then Dragon just came along and said, thanks, you two. You guys figure it out. I'm just going to march through to winners, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah. I think Sejam uh, also had mentioned like hit the respect that he has for Dragon. And, and Dragon was also one of the best uh, at blocking Batman. So him going up against Forever King, who's one of the, the, the stronger Batman players or the strongest Batman player of the, of the tournament so far, uh, really was just... Uh, you knew he was going to take it once it got to that final. Um, him winning at three one wasn't wasn't really uh, like you kind of saw it coming. But Forever King again, uh, you know, I, I, watching him taunt him right out of the gate, uh, taunting a dragon, and he almost loses. It's like the story of Forever King. He's like the worst at like the tea bag. He's <laughs> he's like he I, got this, I well got this, I got this, I got this. I don't got this, I don't got this. Well, he did it against Dragon and then almost loses because Dragon just 
mounts this huge comeback and it nearly it nearly levels out. And he does it again against Sonic Fox in the in the lower bracket, and he almost loses again. Like it comes back to like almost like next hit. Whoever lands the next hit like just wins it. And he's like, "What? Why did you do this?" <laughs> I don't know why he kept doing it. It's the FGC. Players be cocky. Things happen. I, and that's the thing is like he had no. He doesn't have that kind of like. If Sonic Fox does it, I get it. But if Forever King just isn't the type of player who is playing the mind game like i it was just like why are you do- it wasn't working it had no effect either way except for the fact maybe encourage them to play uh harder or even in the next round knowing that they almost came back because he did that oh come yeah, on like, you what never are you want thinking? to do that yeah but, so uh, that's injustice two world champs uh group a group b will be this weekend uh, november 3rd so you know if you're not watching blizzcon and you're not watching worlds or you have three tvs or three computer screens load up injustice two they'll be on tbs and twitch and uh, yes both we'll be on both so check that out we'll also have the casters back to talk to us again next week about group b and of course heading into the playoffs we'll also have some coverage on that as well so be sure to check that out let's talk a little csgo Epicenter 2017, St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, no, I mean, twenty. I, the reason I had to put the year in there is because we had SK and Virtus Pro in a grand final in 2017. <laughs> yeah, I think going into this, nobody expected VP. And I think even SK in the end was like, oh, it was really cool playing VP in the end. We forgot we, about this. <laughs> exactly. I mean, really, uh, I mean, in the end, it was a, a double OT win by SK on Cobble. And they had some amazing comebacks in it. Uh, overall, the 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 final, especially on Cobble, is just a, a fucking masterclass in CS:GO. The SK uh, was really the, the the comeback kings in this. Uh, the a huge return from a twelve to one deficit on on uh, Train to come back and win nineteen to sixteen, ridiculous. They were just uh, always on point. Cold was just impressive throughout. But I think the person that we have to talk about, well, well, the, the person we have to talk about on SK is the person they have on loan, Bolts. Like, sat there on loan from Immortals, playing in his Immortals jersey with the rest of SK in the booth, end up putting up something in the neighborhood of like 100 and like, what, 16 kills throughout? And that's with yep. like the first map being pretty rough on him, almost topping Cold Zero. This is a dude who's on loan. Literally hasn't even played, but like a little bit with him. He originally came, he, although he was originally with the the first Luminosity group, but he was cut from Luminosity. This is the the SK Luminosity group back in 2015. Right. But I mean, he racked up the second most amount of kills. It, it was pretty much the Bolts and Neo show in the last on, on Cobblestone. But both of them just impressed you. Like even VP, you can't walk away with this going like, "Oh, we lost, we suck." It's like, holy crap! Like that was. It was, was a hell That was VPN form. Yes, this is 3-2 to SK, but you're talking VP with a solid Mirage. SK with a 7-0 second half shutout on Inferno. You got VP turns around with a crazy comeback on Cash, being down 9-6. It was insane. Two maps went to OT. You had two major comebacks. Three major comebacks, actually, because we also had a 12-3 VP up at the half on Train. Like... This was the most entertaining grand finals in CSGO that I've seen in a while because you have just great gameplay. You have this awesome story with Bolts. You had Cold Zera playing amazing. 
And you have this classic SK versus VP matchup that, quite frankly, the way VP's last year has gone, I don't think you would have ever seen. SK comes out of this sixth championship this year, pocketing another $250,000, jump to the tops of the HLTV rankings. Like, hell for SK. Virtus Pro jumps up seven points in the rankings based on this. Well, I mean, it's a great story. But you, you have to give them that credit because I think a lot of people, uh, I mean, last year they were strong, but a lot of people kind of started discounting them be like, oh, yeah, I, the jokes in the comment section was like, VP, just go ahead and retire, right? <laughs> like, it, it's like, it, this team has been together the longest yep. I th- of, of all the CSGO teams, really. And maybe too and long was the question, right? Yeah, everybody's like, okay, they, they finally lost it. They've, for a, a long time at the beginning of the year, they're like, where are they? They just like disappeared. And then, bam, they're... Here they are, the full form. They, I mean, they were doing some dumb stuff throughout half the, the early half of the year. They were just like, I don't. I was waiting for that announcement of them just being torn apart, right? And like, it never came. And and this shows that they've been working hard. And when they're able to to uh, uh, get their maps, when they're able to, uh, I don't know, they're just able to rise to the competition. Obviously, at the right point in time. And the only thing I think that might have hurt them on Cobblestone is they burned their timeouts too early. And I don't think they had a good tactical timeout session in those last two rounds of OT. And that could have been what killed them. Yeah, because I mean, there was definitely a couple tipping points in that where it's like, oh, this is this is not going well. Like, this is going there. I think there was like a quad kill at the end on Cobblestone that pushed it into OT. So, like, they definitely had some moments where there's a bit of them falling down. But I think, like, I think the thing to point out here is this is not one of those rink-eating tournaments we talk about, right, where a team wins and you or I are, like, super skeptical. And we're like, yeah, but they didn't really play anybody and the Grand Finals is easy. You know, we talk a lot about this when, like, Liquid pulls something off, right? But this is one of those scenarios. Top teams in this tournament, they played the arguably best team in Counter-Strike right now and came really damn close to winning. And that is speaks volumes for Virtus Pro. I'm just stoked. Like, I'm great to see VP back. It hasn't been the same in the last year without them challenging the way they used to. So many cool storylines, renewing this rivalry with SK in a meaningful way. Overall, like, this was a great way, in my opinion, to kind of wrap up the CSGO year. We're going to be heading into Boston at the beginning of next year, and I'm interested to see where this all goes. We've got a lot of teams, in my opinion, playing great Counter-Strike, and it could set us up for an amazing 2018. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when you have a lot of teams who uh, spent a majority of 2016 kind of uh, on the on the lower end, but you knew that they had some some talent uh, and maybe in the early to you know mid 2017s, they've, they've been showing signs of life like G2 uh, phase, which we knew was strong at the end of last year came out just blazing. So it was Astralis. Astralis, if anything, has maybe dipped in form more than anything else. And, and phase had a, a great run. And so I think we're, we're setting up to uh, a very impressive 2018. Uh, I felt like I, before the show, I was thinking, I was like, man, it feels like CSGO has just been not as vibrant this year. And I think it's because we've we've seen a, a power shift yep. in, in some ways. It's hard to say power shift. And we're like, SK's won another one. <laughs> but it, it's true. There, there's so, some interesting storylines you had to kind of grasp or, or grab onto and, and dig into and, and find that they, there's some neat things going on. Gambit, and, right? Like Gambit, we don't talk enough about their team sitting in 10th now, but they've been a big part of the story going through most of this 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gambit has had some super surprise wins. 
and the moments where you're just like, I, I don't even know how uh, they've they've pulled these things off. And so I really feel like uh, Gambit might actually get torn apart. I, I got a feeling they're going to lose some 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 players, but podcast uh, one. One one key player, I think, is probably going to leave Gambit uh, in the next year. I'm kind of calling it, but uh, yeah, I, I think it, it it makes you want to root for some of these people just f- simply because of storyline. It's not the same team; they're always doing the same. Blah 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 blah. Yep. Like Phase has gone through roster changes; they picked up new people. I just I don't know. It's 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 good to see that, that some of the changes are paying off. Yep. Is what I'm trying to say. This feels like the best time for us to get E League back. Like this feels dynamic. This feels <laughs> exciting. Um, we're a little biased, but I like. I think E League always just gets this luck, right? When E League comes around, mm-hmm. the right teams show up. Often different teams, so we get some pretty dynamic play. I mean, we talk about the Astralis story. We talk about the Optic story. We've seen some cool stuff happen when around E League time. I'm hoping Boston's not going to be any different. And right now, it's more dynamic than it's ever been. Like with Virtus Pro stepping up, you got North playing strong, you got FaZe and G2 playing strong. Like overall, this is a pretty balanced group, maybe as balanced as I've seen it in a while, where I'm not like, oh, there's only going to be two or three teams that I can guess who's going to win. Like SK, still probably heavy favorites, you know, along with maybe FaZe going into 2018, but you could make a case for five or six of these teams, and that's what's exciting to me. Yeah, and then you've got Liquid, who's lucking into everything constantly. So, I mean, why not? I mean, they're complete underdogs. You don't expect them to ever win. But then when they finally do get ranked enough to get a, another major invite, you're like, fuck, Liquid's going there. It's not, <laughs> I don't, no real point in them going there, but they did it again somehow. Can somebody bad They always them? find, like, one random major to, like, oh, we'll just hit, like, you know, we'll hit quarterfinals, and we'll make it to a final. And you're like... I, you're not going to win it, but okay. Evidently, you're invited to the next major. We, we found cool. this minor in like Yugoslavia, and we beat all these teams you've never heard of, and now we're going in legend status. It's just like why? Yeah. I, I I know. I mean, I know that they're they're decently ranked now, and and Clouds Nine is is doing better. But it, at the same point in time, it's just like they're they're so hit or miss when they're like when they're on, they're really really on, but it's rare, right? Right, and it's. And when they're off, it's, it's ugly. generally 75% of the time. Yes, so. yes. And, and it never seems to align when I actually want to watch them, right? Like, oh, they're in E-League. Maybe they'll surprise True. us. Wah, wah. You know, it's just how it yeah. always goes for them. Yeah, so excited about uh, Epicenter 2017. Definitely worth checking out if you can find clips or the whole VOD of that final. Like, that is one of the best matches of 2017. Just, just cobblestone alone. It's just amazing. Yep. Amazing. Just watch that map because that basically is a nice TLDR of how that entire series went. So definitely worth checking out that last map on cobblestone. I want to talk a little bit about Hearthstone before we head to the break. We do have BlizzCon coming up. It is a little bit of a weird BlizzCon for us this year because we do not have the normal Hearthstone esports happening at BlizzCon, but we do have pretty strong indications that we are going to see an expansion, which, while not directly esports-related, obviously has a huge impact on the meta and esports, generally speaking, and it's all because of this tease of a golden legendary. Oh, oh. It's, yeah... Uh, Marin or Marin the Fox, who kind of looks like uh, I don't, like a, like a Fabio pirate. Uh, <laughs> it is like a weird like pirate themed romance novel cover. Yeah, I'm a little worried. I feel like this is we're just going into an, another entire uh, Galaka crawler 
meta where it's just auto included into every deck. It's like, okay, what other 28 cards besides Galaka Crawler am I going to put in my deck? You're worried about I'm, more I'm pirate afraid. synergy is what you're concerned with here. I, I'm worried that we're going to have more pirates, which is going to just make it an auto pick. Like you, you I don't know. And at the same point in time, pirates, a functional and good pirates with decent synergy might give uh, Rogue another type of deck. Uh, I feel like Rogue has had pirates for like the longest time and they've never been like that great until like this last year. Right. Uh, especially now with like the tempo Rogue being a, a, a thing and a very strong deck. But uh, I, I'm just, I'm kind of tired of pirates. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the other thing is. I mean, we don't need another Murloc. We always need like another type. Yeah, I like death rattles. I mean, well, we got technically like we did get a new type, right? Like we got elementals. They were not technically a type that had any sort of synergy before, but right. They also but, come uh, with a bit of a stigma because there was some like overpowered stuff going on there. So, right. I mean, we did get a new type, but I'm saying like like we can't. This isn't going to be. Let's double down on elementals again because it's too soon, right? right? So, so we're going to double down on uh, pirates I, because it's slightly less too soon. No, you want to hear what I'm upset about them doubling down? I know I, we didn't even discuss this before the show, and I'm going off on this other rant. They're continuing with this bad words, uh, uh, warlock discard functionality. But it's worked so well why. to this point. It doesn't. It doesn't. I've had great success ditching the current, like, uh, the, the zoo meta, uh, I guess you could say the prince zoo, uh, prince Galaseth zoo warlock, by ditching... Uh, the discards it's like get rid of those get rid of those cards and throw in an elemental package and it works so much better i'm like eight and two with this and he just started i'm like it's so much better than having to discard get rid of cards out of my hand it doesn't help you it doesn't thin your deck it screws your deck and i just i don't like it it's it makes no sense. It sounds like you want to corner a Hearthstone dev because you've had a lot of Hearthstone like venting in this episode. Like, do you do we need to put you in a room with that team and just like give you twenty minutes to just like spew? As long as it's not on camera, or no, that's the whole point <laughs> no, of the just... show. It's in your contract. But I but I'm saying like every time you as a warlock, think about this. Every time you discard a card, you're getting rid of synergy in your deck and essentially taking two damage because for you to put that card back in your deck, you likely have the hero power to put it. That's the easiest way. So it's like two damage. Well, so when you're discarding two cards, like oh, I just did four damage. I got rid of, you know, my DK. Why would I? It's like you can't play cards half the time. I understand that there's a oh, here's the workaround, but it's the huge. It's like the most expensive downside you could have. You're you're and, making my case for me. You just can't. You've got off the there rails. There isn't a case. It's the worst. And people they're adding more unless they add something like cards you discard will be added back to your hand later on. That's the only way. That's the only way you can at make discard uh, semi-viable or discover a discarded card. That works. That makes it less of a, of a hit. Anyways, I rant done for now. <laughs> I, for now. This is so great because I had this like tiny little note where I was like, oh, five minutes about the Golden Legendary. And what I should have put under is Seven Loses His Shit About Warlocks. Oh, man. I just I forgot that happened like... Two days ago, where they're like, "Yeah, we're doubling down on the discard." Like, oh god, Maybe. it's worse. Than, like they got rid of. They kind of just stopped with overload for the most part, right? They're, they're like, like oh, "This yeah, is a shitty it's, mechanic. It's we're done with this." Maybe they'll yeah, maybe they'll kill so life tempo. Tap. Maybe they'll give us a different hero power. No, I no. I think I think light life tap is is fine. Um, the two health thing or two is in two mana. Whatever it's 
there's this general thing where they drawing a card is essentially associated with two mana, right? And so right. Uh, your hero power being two mana, but the the thing is, you to have it always there. You're paying the penalty of paying two health to do it. I get that, um, but for the most part, there this card is just the the worst. Worst. I mean, they they made things uh, for overload uh, overload that allowed you to regain overloaded crystals, but they've not done anything really with this card, but like, oh, if you happen to discard it, it gets better. Okay, great. But what happens to the other 28 cards in my deck that if I accidentally <laughs> discard, they just go away and I lose the ability to play them. It'd be nice Whereas if they overload, gave us a mechanic. Like, if you go to the magic bag of tricks real quick, and we'll move on. But if you go to the magic bag of tricks and you give me some way to like pull cards back out of my discard pile, like those graveyard right. type cards. Okay, now we're getting a little, you know, black and magic, and that's great, and I love those mechanics, but we're, like, missing the key to making that work, and we're really just doing this thing where it's, like, draw cards, tap myself to draw more cards, discard cards to do more things, and in the end, I'm just out of life and cards. Yeah, and they also you also have to look at, like, Malkazar's Imp, which is the other thing that has made discarding viable, because you can at least draw back if he's, if he's in play, or it's in play. I guess I can't assume a gender for a freaking fire imp but um <laughs> flaming penis. but that has made discard uh, it's like an it's an auto include just about in every deck that implements the discard mechanic and so but that's going to roll out of ro- rotation sooner or later and then discard's going to go the way of the shitter again even more so and so like how much do you have to introduce it, it, to make it viable out of this cycle it, you have to introduce this it, it has to be in it has to be in this set if they're saying they're doubling down on discard there has to be an essentially an overpowered discard card or something that makes discard level or worth it in some way, shape or form, because right now the, the penalty or the tax on, on discarding is just too high. It's just dumb, stupid, like idiotic. whatever. We hate you. Hearthstone. Well, you, you might as well just say, Hey, I can only put 28 cards in my deck or 26 cards <laughs> in my deck and then play it. Like it just, it should shrink the, the oh. amount of cards you can put in your deck. I'm so glad that, that we started back with this rebrand first show. And seven is just losing, having just like an epic rant. Beer laden, angry, spitting on his mic. Fuck yeah, you, Warlocks. Yeah, it's just it's just dumb. Just dumb. Completely Burn dumb. it with fire. Burn it with fire. Just not from that imp because he's gonna rotate out. He, she, it, we don't know. It. We don't know. It that thing. Anyway. It is not declared a gender. Moving on, we're gonna take a quick break one last time. We're going to uh re beer. Seven's gonna calm down, do some uh breathing, a little a little uh chakra alignment. And when we come back, we are gonna talk League of Legends. Have worlds going on right now in China. The semifinals wrapped up this past weekend. We had SK Telecom T one and Royal Never Give Up and Team WE versus Samsung Galaxy. We're gonna be joined by former colleague Alex Magdalino, who is the lead producer of the BR Esports brand, doing some of that awesome content, by the way, that they do on Instagram and Twitter. Definitely worth checking it out. But he's going to join us to talk a little bit about how those semis went and give us a preview of the surprisingly all-Korean finals as soon as we come back from the break. And we're back. And uh, somehow, somebody from Bleacher Report has made it onto the show. We apparently didn't lock a door, or we didn't like <laughs> lock a trunk where we stuffed him earlier. But we have Alex, Alex Magdaleno from BR Esports, uh, invading uh, our side of things. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you, long time listener. 
<laughs> first time caller. That is actually very true. The it first time true. the joke's ever been made, and it's actually true. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about. It is uh, World's Month, we might as well call it. It feels like it's been yeah. going on forever. Um, none of us are getting any sleep because it is happening at insane hours of the morning. Yeah, semifinals. So two big semifinals, not just because it's the semifinals of Worlds, but because we also had an opportunity, a very real opportunity, to have an all-Chinese final in China. Let's start with SKT, Royal Never Give Up, because this is the one that should have been cut and dry on paper going into the tournament, but very much wasn't what you actually saw it play out. Yeah, so it was very interesting because you would have imagined that just the history of Uzi against SKT, that it was going to just be an SKT, an easy SKT win. Um, but after the first two weeks, I, I was convinced that China, that this was a great opportunity for China to finally win a Worlds based largely on RNG's performance. And um, I think you see it here too. So I was going into it thinking that like RNG was very much... Um, upset potential, even more so given SKT's like strange form going into um, quarterfinals and semifinals. Yeah, I mean, some um, people would have thought they had literally, like, they almost didn't deserve to be here after that matchup with Misfits. Like, that was close enough that like there was a lot of questions. Yeah, it was. It, I think a lot of people like were, you know, I mean, everyone always says like never doubt SKT, but I think that this was like the first time where those doubts were justified. Um, I think. I mean, it was a that quarterfinals in and of itself was a whole other topic. Um, but I think largely I was like very conflicted because it was like, you know, you wanted to see Misfits do the unthinkable, but at the same time, what's Worlds without SKT? Anyways, going to the semifinal, that's sort of the landscape. It's like anything could happen, and RNG has a good shot of actually dethroning and actually in a legitimate way whereas you know a lot of people were like chalked misfits up going into it um that they that it would have been like flukish but right, based, right. Off, based on like sort of the picks that they used too versus where um, like rng you'd feel like how would have a strong chance they win this they may win the whole thing yeah because they had the best read on that week two meta when you know traditionally in worlds there's a week one meta and then the, everything flips um and China and Europe kind of had the best read on it. Um, so yeah, going into it, anything could have happened. Um, the interesting thing is that SKT sort of fell back on what they learned from Misfits um, to like kick off the series. So you had like Wolf trying out Blitzcrank and then also trying out the the Fervor Leona, um, both to like sort of make success. Um, and I think that ultimately... The, you know, people will say, point to Faker um, and Faker's extraordinary performance on Galio playing. I think they said on the broadcast it was the first time anyone has ever played the same champion consecutively in a best of five series at Worlds. Um, people will point a lot to that. And it's totally justified. He was incredible. And, you know, there's a lot of memes already going. And it's like... SKT Galio's coming, SKT Galio's coming. Um, <laughs> but I think the interesting thing that in this game was kind of uh, the jungle battle that was happening and like kind of part of SKT's trouble um, throughout Worlds. Um, the pick and ban in the drafting phase, it was basically like who could get the better meta jungler every single time. So like in the first game, um, the way... 
RNG banned, they were left. SKT was left with uh, Zach, while MLXG, who's been phenomenal all worlds, um, was on Sejuani. The next game, it completely flipped. MLXG had to play Nocturne, and Blink was on um, Gragas, I think. Um, and they just kept going back and forth. Who was ever getting the, the better meta jungler? And um, there was times where uh, RNG was able to capitalize with a uh, like less superior jungler, but it really was that. And it was just the base around the uh, ability for that jungler to put pressure with the meta pick around the map, especially against when MLXG, um, his ability to out pressure faker basically because faker was literally like carrying skt on his back trying to make this happen he was in every single lane trying to like, get them ahead or like even just help them survive um so he was really doing the work of almost like a jungler and a mid laner and that's kind of why he, he'll be remembered in this series and the series will be remembered but largely it was a, a lot to do with that like early drafting phase between that rng and skt yeah and it does like you said there's been a theme for the entire tournament where we've talked about like skt is not winning faker is making them win like yeah. i don't think you've ever seen a case where a single player has picked up his team across so many matches and just drug them across the finish line because for all intents and purposes RNG should have had this. Like, yeah. If it weren't for the insane play of him, like they owned almost everybody else on that team for a consistent amount of these matches. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it comes down to even the fact that like um, RNG, you know, I mean, SKT would probably do it in a best of five series no matter what, but they're having to, they're not just having to switch their jungler from Blink to Peanut because of like, some sort of strategy is that like they're really running out of options with either of them when they start the series or when they finish the series with either of them it's just like they're not getting the pressure out that they need um yeah and it's it's really true it's like almost it's definitely not like a 2013 and 2015 skt where um they're just literally or even like last year 2016 where everyone is operating at this sort of level where you can't even see the weaknesses in them Whereas now it's like if you can make Faker, if you can put Faker in a disadvantage, or I mean that's hard to even say, but like if you can put him in disadvantage, insofar as you're making him have to decide where he needs to be at every single time and like constantly pressure him, so every single time you're he's technically making a bad decision just by trying to help, um, then yeah, he SKT doesn't doesn't look like the the ones that they have been previously it's almost like at, i mean i work at bleacher report so i have to make the reference it's almost like um you know when cleveland won against the warriors and lebron like had to just literally pick that team up and like take them across the finish line yeah so and then that's why faker is the goat um and i think he proved it in this in this one but it took a lot more than anyone would have imagined It'll be interesting to see what this... If SKT runs out, it'll be very much interesting to see what is the narrative after this. Is it SKT in the dynasty? Or is it really talking about how, like, this is a case where Faker willed them across the finish line and was the first cracks of the... True cracks of the SKT armor, where I think people will be much more open to talking about SKT not winning Worlds next year. I think I think that's, like, a fair... Um, I think in my in my own personal opinion... I think that's true. I mean, 
if SKT wins Worlds this year, they'll have the three-peat, which is extraordinary. And you, it's hard to say that... I mean, previously, it's been hard to say that it's not a dynasty, but I think it's even more solidified. But yeah, you're right. Is it is it the dynasty insofar as the one that's going to continue to rule? Or is this the dynasty that's, you know, in its latter days, in the golden ages of the SKT dynasty or are sadly on their way out? It'll be interesting to see you, and they will uh, have a tough test against them, a repeat test from last year, because in the other half of the semifinals, we had Samsung Galaxy against another LPL team in Team WE. This one not as close, though. Game one came off like, well, Team WE's got a really good shot at this. But it, it turned out not to be that way and turned very quickly. What was the big thing that took us from what was a solid game one for Team WE to Samsung just kind of winning out? Uh, I think it, a, a lot of it, again, is... Um the sort of, uh, I, I don't know, As a, I'm a jungler, so I will always say that like I look towards the junglers, and I think that Ambition just kind of outperformed Condi across the map um, and was able to really get like the bot lane, Ruler, and Core JJ going. Um, I think also it helped a lot um, when Crown sort of, I mean, he played Talia in the, in the first uh, game, but he was able in the in the subsequent games he was able to play uh Talia again and i think it was Galio again um he was much able to better to assist his team across the map um i think samsung's sort of like run into the world's finals has been a, like kind of like staggeringly different than skt insofar as skt has had to like really deal with that like week 2 aggressive um non-sensor support meta and samsung for like all intents and purposes really hasn't um when they played longju they played fairly standard meta um the sensor meta that is and now in, against team we they did the same thing um and i think out of any team in at worlds they sort of perfected it there's they're playing the they're playing it the cleanest way um they're even like you know they're they're favoring like on hit Varus over some of like um, Mystic's uh, Kogma, which is like one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. It's just so <laughs> brutal. But they're in the face of it. They're 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 not really relying on you know Kogma Twitch, um, who Caitlyn, who have become like sort of the those like week two um, or like you know empowering them more in week two of the um, group stage. Uh, but yeah, they. It's really just comes down to I think that the ability of ambition and crown to sort of put that pressure across the map and not let Team WE get to the point where um, they like thrive, which a lot of people have said and they have shown is in that you know like mid to late game those team fights where yeah like Mystic Kogma can just go off. Um, I think you know Team WE against Cloud Nine. Cloud9 was able to was able to put that pressure and like put them at a at a disadvantage but they didn't have that like that execution that kill mentality at the very end to to pull through there was always something they would always slip up um and you know Korean teams don't do that if they get that lead if they get that you know if they put, are able to put that pressure around put you down at a disadvantage they're not going to they're not going to uh loosen their grip and, and I think given how close the WE Cloud9 match was, that could have been just a major difference. Like, just Samsung being yeah. able to do that is the difference between losing 3-2, like Cloud9 ended up doing, to winning 3-1.
Yeah, totally. Um, I think that's just really in general. I mean, uh, a lot of it happens every worlds, but a lot of the worlds, you know, the community always talks about, you know, they lost in draft or the drafts are bad, and you know, Cloud Nine got a lot of like trouble, or they got in a lot of trouble in their last uh, their last draft um, by from the community, but that's really the only half of it, you know? It's always, like, what it comes down to is execution, and you could have these perfect drafts, and um, Samsung is getting these perfect drafts, and they're executing on them. And there's really, it's really hard, at least on their side of the bracket, to find any, like, it's really hard to go against that. Um, Longju was supposed to be the team that was able to do it, that they just outclassed. So you mentioned earlier something that I thought was an important point as we go in to start looking forward to the finals. So we have a rematch from last year, a matchup that went five games last year. It felt like Samsung was this close to finally overcoming SKT. They have very different paths to this finals. You talked about them like beating allegedly the number one ranked team in Longzhu. Team WE, no slouch. And SK Telecom has struggled along the way. Can we get confident that, S- that Samsung has a chance to take out SKT? Or is this going to be another one of those things where, like, yeah, but the SKT magic is going to happen. We're going to see a very different team in the finals. They're going to get it together. Because that's been the story before. We've gone into this. This is deja vu, right? We've gone into this feeling like Samsung has a shot. It's going to happen this year. And then in the end, they just can't put enough of the pieces together consistently enough to take them down. Yeah. So, I mean, just to start off, the SKT will always have that finals buff. Um, but I think even just the fact that last year it went to a best of five series is kind of telling. Um, I think that a lot of the reason why I went to the best of five series was because, you know, that, that famous, probably the best like world series I've ever seen was the SKT rocks one. And in that there's that, you know, the, the misfortune support pick that kind of threw me off and you kind of saw that happen again in that last, that last finals. So I think it's telling that like, yeah, even though Samsung ultimately lost, they still had pushed them to five games based on a sort of like weird meta play that they were constantly, that kind of like spelled the latter end of that world's 2016. Um, whether or not Samsung has a chance this time to actually close it out in the final game, I'm thinking they have a better shot than they've ever had. And I think in large part, it's because SKT doesn't look like the same SKT that we've seen before. Um, So, you know, sort of disregarding whether or not this SKT World's Finals buff is going to come into play, I think if you look across the, the sort of like player by player on Samsung and SKT and how their performances have like matched up. Um, I think Samsung has a really good, really good shot at doing it. They're also quite a bit more battle tested. I feel this mm-hmm. world's versus last year. I mean, last year you're talking about a sweep of cloud nine, a sweep of, of H2K that H2K. came out of a relatively weak bracket or group themselves right like h2k was like the best of the worst in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. up against and so maybe they went in a little bit lax versus like an skt that went with against rng they went against rocks tigers i feel like samsung galaxy should be better prepared not just because they came off of this five game series last season and they Mm -hmm. obviously know them very well from playing them in the lck but this has been a very different world for samsung and i think that has to play into this i think it does play into that but the one sort of um, like trepidation I'd have there is that, like I said earlier, Samsung hasn't played against the sort of like really aggressive and those like non-sensor supports. Uh, SKT showed a willingness to 
play those. They played the Blitzcrank to not very much success, but they did play the Leona to a lot. Um, and I don't know how Samsung adapts to that. Um, I'd say they'd be fine. I mean, they kind of played a, a, a more aggressive mind or aggressive against an aggressive mindset team uh, in RNG in the group stage. RNG like two owed them, um, but the actual sort of like meta like throws they haven't really um, they haven't really experienced that. So I, I do think they are in terms of just their run are better prepared to to just deal with the sort of pressure that comes from playing on the world stage. You know, three owing in the quarterfinals and the semifinals doesn't really, you know, mentally prepare you for what's going to happen in um, the finals. And yeah, maybe you do, you go to that two, two uh, and that's the first time you've ever really been challenged in that, in that entire run. And it's hard, especially someone with a crown who is, you know, notably a more emotional player. Um, He like has always has a lot riding on it personally himself. Um, but I think this time they've been in some situations where they've been tested a little bit. So obviously we want to keep our eyes on Faker. That's the obvious answer when I ask, what should we pay attention to? Yeah. What else should we pay attention to? Like what, what is going to be signs that SKT's got it together? What's going to be signs that Samsung may have figured this out? Like if we could only look at something, one thing outside of Faker, what should we be paying attention to to know which way this is going to swing? I'm going to go up to the top lane um, I've, a lot of other, you know, sort of league analysts and, and writers have have pointed this out, but I'm going to look at Cuve uh, because Cuve has silently been probably the best or one of the best top laners in Korea this summer, and I'd say he's probably the best performing top laner at Worlds. Um, I know Khan was really hyped up, but I think Cuve has shown that he's just, you know, he's resilient. Um, and not only is he resilient, I think the matchup against Huni, uh, um, this will be the first, like, really good top laner that Huni has had to face. Um, and not only just, like, a good top laner, a seasoned one. I mean, he had to play Alfari, which Alfari in EU is incredible, but he doesn't have the sort of, like, seasoned veteran status that Kuve has. And also, Kuve isn't, afraid to play the same sort of um carry top laners that that huni is kind of known for um kuve like destroyed uh team we in the semifinals with nar he like just went absolutely he went off um and that's a similar pick to to huni he's been playing kennen a lot um, which has been sort of, I think he's like one and one on his Kennen game. So it's not the most successful thing, but he's not afraid to do that. And he's not afraid to like, you know, really combat Huni in lane. Um, so I think Kuve is kind of the sort of secret key to to uh, Samsung, especially if Crown is still put on these, you know, Talia's, these uh, uh, Galios who are trying to, you know, put pressure across the map. Um, as opposed to really trying to go one on one in lane versus versus uh, Faker, um, I think Kuve is kind of the the crux of whether or not Samsung can beat SKT. So I've got to put you on the spot. Then does that happen? Does Ugh. Samsung pull it off? Is this? Are you going to make the bold prediction that the dynasty is going to end technically before it starts, or are we going to get one last hurrah before we really have to worry about SKT probably not coming back to a finals next year if a lot of people are to be believed? I don't know. That's so hard. 
I mean, because you're, it's almost like you're foolish if you doubt SKT, and what and what's more, it's like you're at this point, like we've talked about before, you're not only just doubting SKT, you're really doubting Faker because this is like this is Faker, um, at Worlds. Both equally foolish, right? <laughs> like in, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, and Faker probably more can't. so the way he's played. Yeah, I. I I think I'm gonna take the cop out, and I think SKT will beat them three two, um, but I think it'll be closer than it was in the last game of Worlds 2016, where Samsung kind of just like fell apart a little bit. They, they were they looked spent at that point. Yeah, like that it was a long. Match. I mean, it was a long series, um, and yeah, they definitely looked. I think that they'll be prepared a lot more but i think that uh, it's just you can't after what faker showed against rng i think it's hard to deny that he could replicate that and that that just sheer ability and his sheer talent it is it, like it's un, un, unmatchable i mean everyone says you know league of legends is a team game and that's true but like when you have faker it's like having a couple of you know extra players. It's players, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was literally doing the roles of like multiple players in that game, and I don't know. I want to buy SKT Galio. <laughs> it was funny because I saw like an analysis uh, before you and I chatted. One of them was like, "Just pick Galio every single match. Like that's that's the key to finals." <laughs> It'll it will like to be fair that will probably be either like banned always or a contested pick since both Crown and. Um, Faker has shown a willingness to pick it and also an ability to play it. Um, so I think either way, maybe we get a Galio skin. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Like we had no idea this is where we were going to be heading. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. It's hard not to feel like, and I know this is being a little dramatic, but it's hard not to feel like this may be both teams last real great shot at this. And we could be having very different discussions next year. I could look incredibly silly and we're back to having the same thing come worlds next year. But like we keep, I know it always feels like we're getting to that breakthrough year, but this year more so than any, like I could see teams like RNG really in the discussion and sitting in the finals. I, I would just love to see a non all of Korean finals is really yeah, what I would like. To I see. think, I think so too. I think there's a, I, I don't think there's, I mean, there's certain signs across the entire um, tournament of things changing. You know, like misfits performance was unreal um, to see. And I think that there's maybe a little bit of like an unspoken sort of like feeling that's happening where it feels like this is kind of not that like the quote unquote gap is closing, um, but what we know as League of Legends and International League of Legends might not be the same next year. Um, I mean, that's kind of vague, but I think that's true. I think, you know, RNG, I really was I, I really believe that a Chinese team was going to win it. It, they looked like they had the most complete sort of sense of the game at this time, but you know we got a Korea, we got a Korean showdown in the bird's nest. Um, yep, much to the chagrin of the Chinese fans because I think they have been amazing the entire. They ha- really have. They've been incredible, and it would have been so cool to see uh, a Chinese team represent them in that stadium that's like so beautiful and like yep. massive. Um, but yeah, I I think that I think that they're the life on 
the all Korean final. I mean, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get shit for saying this, but like the life on an all Korean final may be running its course. Um, I would agree, and we will get shit together because, <laughs> because <laughs> I right. and it's not just because I deeply want that to be the case, but I really think like these are significant cracks in the armor. This was not SKT slipping up here or there. In my opinion, RNG has been a better team throughout the tournament than yeah, both I'd, these finalists. Oh, I, I, I'd, um, maybe I guess it's hard to say because I would have loved to see Samsung play RNG in like a full best of five. Yeah. Um, because RNG did pretty like handedly beat them in those best of ones in the group stage. Um, and it was because they like turned on these like aggressive engine that like totally Samsung in their in their like perfect understanding of the of the like Korean quote unquote Korean meta, um, they had, they didn't have an answer to. So I would have loved to see them play a best of five to really, but I think that you're right. I think, um, RNG has shown to be like a very, a complete team and, um, you know, a complete team in a way that in past years, Chinese or European or, I mean, NA, let's, <laughs> I don't even know, but you know, but other, te- other teams and Korean teams haven't shown to be, um, Yep. And I think that ultimately the difference between that SKT and RNG series was Faker. Yep. Um, but F- that Faker's might not, be not in anymore. that seat. Yeah, Faker's not in that seat. RNG's in the finals, and I know that's a silly thing to say because he's such a big part of SKT. But you can put somebody who is still a top tier player in that spot, but not mm-hmm. Faker, and RNG would be in finals. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yep. I think if Crown's in that seat, if BDD is in that seat, yeah, RNG wins. Almost there. Almost there. So, <laughs> so the finals are coming up this Friday, November 3rd. For those of us on the West Coast, that is 11.30 p.m. on Friday night. <sighs> one more week of this. One yeah, more one week more week, and then we could all try to fix our sleep schedules. Yes, yes, get back to normal. And of course, this also happens like at smack dab in the middle of BlizzCon. So yeah. Riot, Blizzard, we hate both of you right now. <laughs> Alex, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find more of your content? You're doing like, you're the one man show at BR, which is kind of awesome. So people should check out your stuff. Yeah. Um, you can follow BR Esports on Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram, we're just BR Esports. Um, on Twitter, we're still BR Esports underscore. Um, and yeah, you can find me at I am just AMAGS on Twitter, A M A G Z Z. Awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I think that's going to do it. First new show, new brand in the can. Sevens, Sevens, you know, calm down a bit now. Like, Red's come out of his face. He's had another beer. <laughs> you know, everything, everything's good. Like, we, we talked about paladins for a while, and that made him feel angry about paladins <laughs> just shifted my anger <laughs> you just got angry about that and it was okay that's awesome i mean we have a whole bunch of new places to find us because the show has changed uh, we have an episode every single monday we're on itunes overcast pocket cast we're now on tune in as well um if none of those work for you you can check out our rss feed and our new site over at nerf we also release bonus content throughout the week we're on youtube twitch and anchor at nerf this gg and then we got a whole crew joining uh we went out and found ourselves a millennial that's going to like make social cool for us, which I'm super stoked about. <laughs> so you can check us out on Twitter at Nerf This Crew because you know Twitter, those bots bumping up the user numbers means we can't get nerfthis.gg on Twitter, which makes me angry. <laughs> but it's so hard finding a name this time around, like an actual like. I know I mean, we knew the name, but we didn't know like okay. We I think we had like a hundred different possible. It was the most painful conversation, even more painful than the warlock one we just had when we were trying to decide on a social name. <laughs> It was, oh, yeah. 
man, it was bad. But you can check us out on Twitter, Nerf This Crew, um, and Facebook and Instagram at Nerf This GG. One day we will get Nerf This GG on Twitter, and I can just go back to saying, check us out everywhere on Nerf This GG. But a lot of cool content. We'll be uh, producing stuff throughout the week. we got some cool stuff coming up this week. We're obviously about to all head off to BlizzCon in Anaheim, which means we got a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe. We're doing a lot of talk about HGC World Finals, which, of course, are still happening at BlizzCon. We talked to some of the players, some of the casters involved, so keep your eye on the feed, as well as our Twitter account for content coming out of that. Of course, going to have other coverage of things happening at BlizzCon. We have the Overwatch World Cup, Warcraft Arena Finals, which turned out to be like a super popular piece of content for us last year. People seem to like get around behind that you and i commented mm-hmm. how like standing room only during the arena finals last year i bet it'll yeah. be even worse this year because there's less esports just generally speaking going on at blizzcon and of course the hearthstone invitational 3v3 something you're passionate about seeing a little bit of a mix-up even if this isn't technically an official esport event yeah i mean for a show match uh it's at least it's good that they're they're mixing it up uh, and, and going with the team format like we've we've seen in some of the stuff that uh uh, ESL has been doing recently with the Trinity series. So that's, uh, I'm excited for that, uh, largely because we've got maybe something dumb that I'm going to put on a costume and go do, uh, just to harass <laughs> Keep an them. Eye out. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not looking, that's the part of BlizzCon I'm not looking forward to is getting in that, uh, that suit. I'm um, super stoked. Andy and I are planning on bouncing you around like a bubble boy. It's going to be like the greatest time of my <laughs> life. Like any pent up frustration we have about the show, Seven and I are just going to get in these costumes we're not going to talk about and just like whack each other in the head with foam bats. Like that's the, yeah. that's the plan. Yeah. No, that's not the plan. Don't lie to these people. <laughs> They're going to be like, we're looking for two guys beating the crap out of each other with like, Rally point crossed out on their shirt. We're like super confused. <laughs> yeah, that's like, we should just like duct tape over rally point and be like nerf mask. We we, we couldn't afford new shirts this year, so we just like did rally point and we just like duct taped over the logo. Exactly. So yep. yeah, invitational going on. We also have non BlizzCon stuff. If you're not into Blizzard games, Alex is going to be back to talk about whatever the hell crazy shit happens at the uh, World Finals taking place this following weekend, as well as we got a lot of other cool stuff coming down the line. We got PUBG at IM Oakland. We're going to have some folks from that to come on the show to talk about Call of Duty, which we don't talk a lot about. 2018 World League coming. We just got the schedule. There's a lot of movement going on around that. We're going to talk to some of the folks behind Call of Duty. So that's going to be awesome. And then, of course, we have more Injustice 2 coming up. We're going to have some more casters on. Rumor has it we're going to have our favorite executive at E-League on, too. I've already got the whiskey. I've got the kitties. We are. Uh, don't ask why we need cats and whiskey. It will all become clear. So we're going to have Christina Alejandre in the next uh, week or two to come on the show. <laughs> Maybe talk esports. Probably talk a lot about drinking. You and I are going to have to whiskey up for that episode. So be prepared if you're drinking along. We're going to go to the hard stuff. <laughs> and she's going to be like, why the hell am I paying your guys' bills? That's really what's going exactly. to happen. Yeah, why? Yeah. Awesome. So that's going to do it for the maiden voyage of Nerf This. Been an awesome show. Um, For myself, for Seven, we will see everybody next Monday. Play of the game. Carpet's got to match the nose drapes. That just got awkward. I love the way you just shoved your nipples into the camera. That that should just be the album cover right there. (laughs)